Hey, fellowship. How are you this morning? Man, I am so excited to be with you. I'm Pastor Tom Atkinson. I'm the discipleship pastor here. I have the wonderful opportunity of working with all the great people that help bring you life groups and, and student ministry and children's ministry. It's just a great opportunity to serve here. And so I get the opportunity to just open up God's word and share with you this morning. But let me just let me just tell you, if you hear my voice being a little bit raspy, I don't have allergies. I'm not getting sick. I coach football. And yesterday, I had the opportunity of coaching a fifth and sixth grade team. And, uh, you know, we had just one of those games that was just incredible. In fact, second quarter, I texted my wife. I'm on the sideline and said, I have got to stop yelling. I have four services this weekend that I have to preach. And so, you know, <coughs> God has a sense of humor. Took us into double overtime. And so I'm just like, okay, guys, you know, you got to give it all to me. So um, we won. <laughs> yeah. Just had to put that out there. But, you know, I just remember looking in the eyes of these young men, and, uh, and you know, they're gassed. It's fourth quarter, and we practice to play four quarters of football. When it goes beyond, you know, you're just looking in the eyes of these young men. You see that they're exhausted. You see that they're worn out, and you're just going, Give me some more. I, I know you got more in you. Just give me more. Dig deep. You've got it. And they're going, I, I, I don't know. And you, you say, just, just trust me. I know you're capable of more. Dig deep. Give me more. Give me more. And then when they do, you're just celebrating. You can't help but scream and get excited. And so church, team, it ain't over. Turn to your neighbor and say, it ain't over. We got more to do, okay? And I'm going to ask you, church, give me more, okay? Give me more. I, 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 I want to be the coach this weekend. I want to be, you know, this is one of those locker room talks. Where I'm going to be able to look you all in the eye and say, it ain't over. I need more out of you. God is calling us to more. He wants you to give more. He wants you to be in the game. He's not saying, look. Stop. Instead, he says, you know, it's getting tough, and I need more out of you. Turning your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 14. See, I believe that sitting amongst us this morning is a, is a group of people that has incredible kingdom potential. And here's what I mean. I mean, sitting right here, right now, are men and women who have the greatest potential to impact eternity. You know, I know we might be thinking about what I have to accomplish this afternoon or what I have to do tomorrow, but you and I have the opportunity to impact eternity. See, you and I have been given an incredible gift, and I I'm crazy enough to believe that God wants us to use what he's gifted us with. He didn't just give us a gift and say, hey, you know, just box this up neatly, set it on the shelf, and maybe someone will use it down the road. He's saying, I've given you something, and I've called you to something to use. You just have to be bold enough to do it or crazy enough to trust Christ. And that's a good crazy. That's not that awkward crazy. That's going, you know what, I'm just going to be crazy enough to trust Christ. I, I believe that God has a challenge for you and for me, and he doesn't just lay the challenge there before us and say, eh, if you feel like it. But I think God's going, look, I want you to give me some more. It ain't over. 
and I need you in the game. Here's what I know. This gift through his spirit, he asks us to be bold enough to use it. Matthew chapter 14 is just an account of how Jesus called one of his disciples to do something bold and crazy. Starting in verse 22, it reads like this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, those who were there worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, to fully understand what's taking place, to know where we're at in this narrative, you understand that this is just right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. That he took the loaves and the fishes, and he said, you know, all the disciples are freaking out, going, how are we going to feed them all? And they said, does anybody have something? See what you can find. He finds the boy who has the loaves and the fishes, and God blessed it and fed the multitude. And it says immediately, which is all through this little text right there, the action of immediately, it's not like casually Jesus decided to just clean up. He's like immediately he dismissed them, said get in the boat, go on, as he dismissed the crowd. And what we see here is another picture of Jesus saying, you know what, I've come to serve. That's what I'm here for, I'm here to serve. And immediately he said, dismiss the crowd. And then he, he, he went had some time by himself to pray. And then it talks about the disciples. And it said, they were out in the boat, and the storm suddenly, the storm was so mighty that came upon them. The disciples were making very little progress in what was going on. In fact, the term buffeted there that it used is better understood more literally as tormented by the waves. And so it, it reads more like, so uh, later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, tormented by the waves because the wind was against the church. I wonder how many of us are tormented by the winds that are against us that we just feel in opposition to what God has called us to do. And we get tormented by these waves that keep pounding us and keep coming after us and going, I just don't know. I don't know that I have what it takes to accomplish that. Now, it's not a very big lake. The, the Sea of Galilee is really like 8 miles by 13 miles and normally this is not a hard-traveled lake but when storms come on it it can get white caps that are just out of this world and it says these disciples were working against it and working against it and then all of a sudden jesus shows up in verse 26 jesus shows up when the disciples saw him 
walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. The first point this morning is this. You've got to be sure of who you see. You've got to be sure of whom you see. You know, we, we understand this Jesus from our perspective of having God's word. The disciples didn't have God's word. They, they were living with God's word. And they just saw him perform all these miracles. They're with him day in and day out, and then they're out here on the lake in the middle of the night, and they're just freaking out. Understand, we, we know so much more about the water and what's going on today. We, we have, you know, submarines. We can go under the water and see what lives there. We've studied water. In their day, it was water. And they didn't even know what really lived in the water. They knew if they cast their nets, pulled them up, there'd be fish. But beyond that, it was the abyss. In fact, they see Jesus, when he has this encounter with legions, take legions and cast the demons into the swine and the swine then into the water. So creepy things live in the water. And here are the disciples out in a boat in the middle of the night on the water, and Jesus comes walking up to them. And they're saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now when I read this, I'm reminded of how I grew up, not in a boat, but I grew up in the Jaws era. You're tracking that any time I see a boat on the water now, the Jaws thing just automatically starts playing in the background. And I'm going, okay, you know, we know how this is going to end. This ain't going to be pretty. Shark wins. Okay? And so a couple years ago, I grew up in Phoenix, and I didn't have to worry much about Jaws other than knowing that the, the shark wins. A buddy of mine says, hey, you want to go fishing down in the Gulf? I said, sure. He has a house down in Mexico, so we go down there. Me and a bunch of my friends. It's a guy's weekend. Now, man, I'm just going to talk to the men. Man, it's a guy's weekend. You know when it's a guy's weekend, you got to be manly. You don't go out on a guy's weekend and be like, oh, this is going to be fun. Let's just, you know, let's go look at grapes or wh whatever. Yeah, that's not what men do. We do manly stuff. So this is a manly weekend fishing in the Gulf. So we drive down to Mexico. We get to the house, and I'm just, like, all excited about going fishing with my buddies. The next morning I hear, hey, you want to go get the boat ready? I'm like, yeah, let's go get the boat ready because that's what men do. And we walk out there, and I'm like, where's the boat? And he throws open the garage, and I look in the garage, and I see this inflatable-looking thing. And I'm going, I've seen Jaws. I know how this is going to play out. On top of that wisdom, we're going fishing. It's an inflatable rubber boat. There are metal fishing hooks. Jaws wins. Okay, so you understand where my mind's at. You, know, you understand where I'm going, but the thing is I'm hanging out with the men. Guy stuff. So I ain't speaking. I'm going, yeah, inflatable boat. Let's go. Let's get it on. So we carry it down. We put our fishing poles in, and, and like a man, I get in the boat. You know, we're like, yeah, let's go, man. We're going fishing. And we start up the motor, and we head out, and we're getting farther and farther and farther from land. I'm thinking, you know, at certain points, I'm going, yeah, I, I can swim that far. Uh, yeah, I can make land. Then you hit that point where you're going, there's no hope. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm going, wait a minute, I don't see land. 
I'm in an inflatable boat. The music's going to start any moment. I know it is. I've seen the movie. I know how this works out. Jaws is going to show up. And I'm praying. I'm going, Lord, we're cool, right? <laughs> or can you just make me a little faster than that guy if something happens? Let him be shark food first, possibly. So we're fishing, and we're chumming the water, and we're having a good time. Guys, weekend, and we're fishing, and we're catching. Out of the corner of my eye, I see something move in the water. This ain't fun no more. But I ain't speaking up because it's the guy's weekend. I'm not losing my man card. Okay, I'm just eyes forward. Don't worry about what's over here. We're fishing. We're being men. All of a sudden, my, my friend goes, hey, what's that? And I'm like, where? <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> you lost your man card. Um, and so all eyes on the boat are fixated on this one area of water. And I'm thinking to myself, this is it. I've seen the movie. I know how I'm going. So we're, we're fishing, trying to be men. Eyes are fixed. Out of the sudden, up pops the cutest seal <laughs> you'd ever see. And I remember that moment going, oh, I get to give him a hard time for the rest of the weekend because he was afraid of a seal. You know, but I saw it. I saw something, but I ain't going to speak up because I ain't losing my man card. And I wonder what happened here because the disciples are in the boat. It's in the middle of the night, and here comes Jesus. This isn't a natural occurrence. Comes walking up to them in the water, and they're like, it's a ghost. See, we have to be sure of who we're seeing. We've got to be sure of who this Jesus is that's calling us. This isn't just some Sunday morning Jesus that we just punch a time card on. This is the Savior of all mankind. For him to walk on water, he created the water. And he says, you know, I want to be with my disciples. So he comes out and he walks. So we have to be understanding who we're seeing. We've got to have our eyes so fixed on who it is that's there. We need to adjust our focus and be sure of what we're looking at when we talk about this Jesus. The, the disciples had spent time with him. But when Jesus showed up on the scene, they weren't sure who they were seeing. And I wonder, church team, how many of us are unsure of who we're really seeing in this Savior? As he calls us to, you know, take that next step, are we really seeing Jesus or are we just saying, you know what, that's for another time, I'm going to live my life. Which, which brings me to my second point, and it's this. You have to be willing to risk it all. Be willing to risk it all, uh, because here's what happens. But Jesus immediately says to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter being Peter, says, Lord, if it's you, t tell me to come to you on the water. And I love this response. There's, there's no extra words. Jesus just simply says, come. And I, I wonder in that moment when Peter says, okay, guys, I got this. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, all right, come. What do you say? D did he just call my bluff? You know, I, I was trying to uh, puff up amongst my friends and say, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And, and Jesus says, 
All right, big dog, let's go. Come. Okay, so Jesus just called me. He, he's called my bluff, and, and now I have to follow through because Jesus called me. He says, I have something for you to do. Now come. And so it says, then Peter got down out of the boat, and I love this, and walked on water. P Peter got out of the comfort of the boat, the security that he knew. He stepped over into the unknown, and he walked on water. Now, this is the only account in this book of a human walking on water. And I just think that's awesome. I mean, just think how crazy that is. A man, fully man, Jesus, God-man, Peter, man-man, walking on water. It didn't say he stepped over the side and sunk. It didn't say, you know, he failed miserably. Scripture says, Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water. And, and, and when I read that and I see Jesus saying, come, I wonder how many of us are willing to risk it all to impact eternity? How many of us take serious this call that God has given us, take serious this gift that he's given us to use and say, okay, God, you gave this to me. And you say, use it. You say, come. How many of us are bold enough to take that next step? We all have a next step. Are we bold enough to take it, though? Here, Peter's going, okay, my next step is out of the comfort zone. I mean, like, not even a little out of the comfort zone. It's incredibly stepping into the unknown. Growing up in Arizona, we have a thing just north of Phoenix a couple hours called the hole. Y'all might know it as the Grand Canyon, okay? We call it the hole because that at, le at least my family does because it seemed like every time family came to visit, we always had to take somebody to the Grand Canyon. And so me and my brother's like, <laughs> going back to the hole. Now, I, I know that doesn't help tourism for the Grand Canyon. That's not my intent. Go. It's beautiful, okay? Tell them Tom sent you. Anyhow, um, and I remember a few years back, I had an intern come from Arkansas, and I sit down with him at the start of the internship, and I said, okay, uh, apart from ministry, what would you like to see while you're here? And he's like, you know, I'd really like to see the Grand Canyon. I thought to myself, I'd really like to choke you. Um, I didn't. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm doing, uh, I'm, I'm speaking up an event up on the reservation. If we get a chance, we'll go over and see the hole. And so we were able to do it. We get to the hole. And, and I remember just walking up. It's almost like the Griswolds going to look kids, Grand Canyon. Let's move on. Um, but it was one of those things where I'm going, he's taking it in. I'm just going to. And I just noticed off the side, I'm like, huh, that's a pretty cool-looking cliff. I've seen the Grand Canyon from here, but I've never seen it from there. Now, disclaimer, they put railings at the Grand Canyon for a reason. A and kids, please stay on the right side of that. Because to get to where I wanted to go, I had to go around the barrier. I know, not my brightest move. You don't have to give me that look. So I wander out, and I'm on this little pathway that's about maybe, you know, yay long, three feet or so. And I, I remember going, okay, I have the cliff here, and I have the hole here. And I'm like, but I want to be there. But in order to be there, I have to 
do this. And I remember, okay, I've done a little bit of climbing. I can just free climb, get up there, and get the experience. And I remember climbing up and getting there and sitting down and dangling my feet and just looking at all this and just being overwhelmed with the thought of God saying, look, my hands created this. And, and not only did I create this, but I created you as well. And I just remember having this moment of worship and just going, God, you're so mighty. God, you're so awesome. You created that. You created me. And we're having, having this moment with God, and I'm going, I could not have had this had I not risked that. And it wasn't so much that I risked it going up, but anytime you get there, you got to come back. And one of the things that I remember going, okay, the up climb was easy. I knew where I wanted to put my hands. The down climb, I'm going blind. And I'm hanging on the wall. And I'm thinking to myself, God, we're cool, right? See a pattern in my life? And it, check this out. As I'm hanging there, I remember somebody on the other side of safety going, man, that's stupid. I'm like, thanks for the encouragement. Which brings me to my third point. We, we have to be agents of encouragement. We, we, we have to be ready to encourage one another when they step out. When, when they take that leap of faith, we can't just be like, hey, praying for you, good luck. You know, we have to be saying, look, you can do it. You, you are capable of doing it. If God has given you this gift, then use this gift. If God is calling you to that, then go follow God. If he's saying come and get out of your comfort zone, we need to get out of the boat. Come on, team. It ain't over. It ain't over, and he's calling you and I to get out of our comfort zones, and we, friends, need to be encouraging one another to do it. We need to become agents of encouragement instead of, you know, cynical and, you know, skeptical and saying that might work out because here's what i've learned i don't know the call of god on your life i i don't know what god is calling you to do i don't know how he's calling you to get out of the boat but if he's calling you and it's of god and it's confirmed get out of the boat uh, when I read this, I, I, I just think of Peter getting back into the boat, and he says, you know, and they climbed into the boat, and the wind died down, and I kind of see Peter being like this the first-generation motivational speaker where he's looking at the guys in the boat, and he's going, okay, I got it figured out. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, don't worry about the wind. Don't worry about the waves. Don't worry about any of this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's calling you to do this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And he's looking at the other guys in the boat because check this out. Peter's the only one who got out. Peter's the only one we're really talking about by name in this whole story. The other disciples were there, but they didn't get out of the boat. And I, I see Peter looking at him going, guys, I got to figure it out. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I took three steps. Who's going to take four? Here's the trick. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. You can do it. Who's got five steps? Okay, I did three. He's got four. Who's going to do five? Keep your eyes on Jesus. That, that's the key. And I wonder how many of us, we, we're getting ready to take that step, that next step, and we're like, I, I just don't know where the encouragement's going to come. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be distracted by the waves. 
that are tormenting us. Don't be distracted by the wind that is discouraging us. Keep your eyes on Jesus. See, once we risk, we need to challenge others to risk. We need to encourage other people to get out of the boat. And here, just maybe, just maybe, I don't know what God is calling you to, but don't let the world talk you out of what God is calling you into. Don't let the world talk you out of what God is calling you into. Instead, surround yourself with people that are going to say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Man, it's okay to risk it all. It's okay. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And here's the encouragement. Uh, team, it ain't over. Whatever, whatever you're planning on doing for the Lord, start doing it. You know, because we can, we can come up with a lot of excuses. Start doing it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Whatever you're planning on doing, start doing it. But keep your eyes on Jesus. 23 years ago, someone came and said, hey, I need help in the youth ministry. I said, well, I don't know what I can do, but I'm willing to help. And he said, here's your job. Your job is simply this. On Wednesday nights, the youth group gets together. They play volleyball before the Bible study. Can you keep the kids from killing each other? Done. That I can do. So every Wednesday night, I would show up because that was my next step. My next step was simply showing up. And what happened is that next step led to another step, which led to another step. About three months into it, the, past, the youth pastor resigns. And the adults divvy up the Bible study of who's going to lead Bible study, who's going to do what. And I remember in that moment going, okay, I, 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 I've gone to Sunday school. I guess I could lead a Bible study. So it's my turn to lead Bible study. And at that moment, I'm going, man, I wish I would have listened more in Sunday school. But I gave some really bad Bible studies. I'm just telling y'all. But my next step was to be faithful and to keep my eyes on Jesus. And after that was to be faithful and to keep my eyes on Jesus. One step after another step after another step. Folks, what is your next step? You know, I, I've yet to be in a staff meeting here where every pastor has come in and said, you know what, as far as ministry partners, we're good. We're solid. Don't need any more. In fact, the opposite is true. I had someone ask me like two weeks ago, where are some needs in the church? I'm going, everywhere. We, we need ministry partners because God's equipped you to take that next step. You know, whether it's leading a life group or serving in the nursery or with children, with youth, with worship, with wherever. We need people who are going to take that next step because who knows what's going to happen. Simply by volunteering to watch kids on a volleyball court, God said, I've got a plan for you. Are you willing to get uncomfortable? Are you willing to get out of the boat, Tom? I'm thinking it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be risky. It's going to cost me everything. But yes, Lord, I'm ready. And you know what happened? I had a pastor the whole way along the way. said, Tom, keep your eyes on Jesus. No matter the cost, no matter the calling, keep your eyes on Jesus. And we need to be encouraging one another to keep our eyes on Jesus. The fourth and final point is this. You have to be sure of whom you are following. And they climbed, verse 32, they climbed 
into the boat, and the winds died down, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Why in this moment was that revealed? I mean, they've seen him performing the miracles. They've seen who he is. They weren't just like, hey, I'll just follow this guy because I've got nothing better to do. They were called. But in this moment, they had this realization. They go, truly, you are the son of God. Church, team, we've got more to go. Who are we following? Because here's what we get in danger of doing. That next step, we're going, I'll take the next step as long as it's my step. Instead of going, who am I following? You know, we, we like being Lord of our lives. But at some point when we accept Jesus Christ, we say, I'm going to make you Lord of my life. And if I make him Lord of my life and he calls me, I need to follow. We have to be sure of who it is we're following. And then our actions have to be swift. And I just think it's incredible that in this text, it just starts out, verse you know, 22 says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. And then in verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand. And sometimes you see the urgency in Christ in the scripture saying, immediately, immediately, immediately. And we're going, uh, casually, I'll get to it. Church, I want to look you in the eye, and I want to say this. You've got more in you. Can, can you give me a little bit more? Can you give God some more? It ain't over yet. Look, I know we might be tired. I, I, I know that it's been a rough game, and we, some of us are beat up, and some of us are hurt. But can you give me some more? Can, can, can God rely on you? Can, can we have you in the game and know that you have more in you, more to give? And, and can we do this by simply keeping our eyes on Jesus? We need to understand this Christ. He's the one who healed. He fed the multitudes. Now they're calling him the Son of God. This Christ that we follow is truly the Son of God, the Almighty Redeemer. He's the one who hung on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And he's the one who's called us and given us this gift that we can't just keep packaged neatly, hoping that if we don't ever take it out of the package, it won't get hurt. It won't get chipped. It won't get broken. He's the one that gave us this gift and said, I gave you that to use. Would you please use it to impact eternity? Some of us are following ourselves. See, we, we put ourselves just a little bit before Christ. And we say, you know, I'm going to do just enough to be okay. But when he really calls, I'm just, I'm going to stick with my stuff because it's comfortable. And I believe some of us are following Jesus, but we get easily distracted. Like, Lord, I'm all in. I'm 100% yours. Let's go. Let's do this. After this. And we get distracted along the way. 
But I also truly believe that many of us are following Christ. And he's going to continue to call us because it ain't over to take that next step, after that next step, after that next step. And I don't know what that next step is, but I know this. He's calling us to take the next step. In some of our lives, Christ could show up, and we might miss him because we're too busy worrying about ourselves, too busy playing church than being the church. And just like Pastor Charlie reminds us every week, we have a next step. Are we bold enough to keep our eyes on Christ, get out of the boat and trust him with what he's called us to be? I invite you to bow your heads. Let me ask you a question.